Well, we are continuing our series, uh, It's Never Too Late. And up until this point, we've looked at a few people. Uh, we talked about Moses and what God did in his life. And we talked about Rahab, the prostitute, and how God used her. And last week, Pastor Dane got us started on David. Now, I want to remind us, the reason we are looking at these people in these series are a couple of key points. Our point to understand here is, is that God can take a life at any point in time and accomplish his will and destiny through that life. And each one of these people that we are looking at either has something that they did or something that had happened to them that would make you think, well, God can't do nothing with that. And we are looking at these lives and we're coordinate. I mean, we are intentionally looking at our own lives because the reality is many times, many of us have gone through some things, have made some mistakes, and we've come to the conclusion that, well, that's a wrap for me. Yeah, some people have made some mistakes, but the mistakes I've made, man, how is God going to use me and what can God do with my life? Well, we are making the point and God is making the point. That there is, there's no mess up too big. There's no screw up too, too bad. There's no life too far gone that God cannot redeem it and accomplish what he wanted to do through that life. Now, some of us in here are older and we've lived through some things and we've recovered and kind of made our way back and kind of seen some of that evident in our own lives. But I, I also want to talk to my young people in here today. Because a lot of you, your lives are yet still in front of you. The biggest part of it. And there's going to be times and days, there are going to be some moments in life that you're going to look at. And there will be mistakes made. There are going to be fun things that have happened to you. And you're going to think, well, that's it for me. I blew it. There's no way I can come back from this. I want you to always remember this, that that's a lie. That's a lie. If we humble ourselves and we commit ourselves to him, there's nothing God can't do with any life. I don't care how far gone it's been. I don't care what's happened to it and I don't care what the mistake has been. So that is why we're looking at these lives. So if you were here last week, Pastor Dane looked at the life of David. And many of us know him. He's, a, he's, a, he's somebody we've read about, maybe sung, sung songs about, you've heard about early on in your reading. But David was the king of Israel. And not only that, but David was called a what? A man after God's own heart. I mean, that's a that's a pretty special thing for God to put put on you to say this is a man after my own heart. David got elevated. David uh, and you could see early on in David's walk. You know, the story about David and Goliath. David shows up. Goliath is there taunting the children of Israel. Every day telling them to send out somebody to fight me because our God is bigger than your God. And the children, the men, the soldiers of Israel are terrified. And here comes little David, still just a teenage boy out the, out the fields. But what separated David, even from an early age, was it was his heart because David didn't have any more than anybody else. But what he did have was something in his heart to say, hey, you're not going to talk about God like you're not going to talk about my God like that. You ain't going to just get away with that because I know who God is and, and something's going to be done about this. And right away, like David goes on to slay Goliath 
And so his life begins. He goes through the whole deal with Saul. And finally, as what we is what Dane talked about last year, David rises to a place as king where he has united the whole country. They are victorious on every end. There's great peace in, in some areas. He's at the height, if you will, of his kinghood. And then what happens? He is the Bible says he's at home. I'm paraphrasing some of this to catch us up. He's at home when he ought to be out doing what kings are doing. The men are out fighting and he should be with them, but he's at home because things are so well. And I just want to tell you, you know, sometimes the blessings of life can do something to you. When, when you finally get to where you always wanted to get to, when you finally reach that income, when you finally buy that house, when you finally get into that tax bracket or whatever the case may be, Kind of make you want to sit back and just say, man, let me just sit back and enjoy this. We finally made it. And so David is not doing what he should be doing. He's laid back, kind of enjoying the fruits of his labor and his eyes catch a woman bathing on the rooftop. We recently had the opportunity to go to Israel and we had the opportunity to walk through the city of David. And we were able to walk out on, on a patio and you could see uh, all these other houses and their rooftops and their patios and the guy made the point of saying this would have been the kind of scenario that David would have seen he, even though you may be hundreds of yards away you can see all of these patios and balconies and he catches Bathsheba bathing, bathing. and we talked about the whole story David calls for her he sleeps with another man's wife. She becomes pregnant. David tries to hide the pregnancy. What does he do? He calls Uriah the Hittite, a faithful soldier to David. Here David has committed adultery with this man's wife. He calls Uriah and tries to cover his tracks. Hey man, I'm going to call you off the battlefield so you can go be with your wife and maybe you sleep with her and maybe she will think it's your pregnancy. But Uriah is so faithful he won't even go to his house. He said, man, how could I go in my house and join my wife when they fighting on the front lines and my brothers out here sleeping in tents? So he slept at David's doorstep. Messing up David's plans. So eventually David has Uriah sent to the front lines of battle and Uriah is killed. So David's making his plot even worse. Eventually, all of this scheming brings the prophet Nathan to David's doorstep. He gives David a scenario. We talked about it last week. Because David was compassionate. One thing he didn't like, David from early on had a, a, a weak spot for animals. He was a shepherd. And Uriah tells, I mean, uh, Nathan tells him the story about the man who had all these other flocks, but he went and took another man's only sheep. And that's the one he wanted to kill for an offering. When he had plenty, he only took, he took a man's last. And David said, well, who is this man? We're going to deal with him severely. Nathan said, you are that man. Because God has given you and you took from somewhere else. And that's where we pick up today. Because here's the deal. You may never find yourself in David's situation. But I promise you, if you walk with God long enough, 
you're going to find yourself in a situation where all the facts are going to come to you in a moment and you're going to realize, I've sinned. I've sinned. This one is on me. I did this. And I can't point this way. I can't point that way. I can't blame mama and daddy. I can't blame my friend. Man, I blew it. I just blew it, man. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. I let myself get caught up in this stuff. And man, it it, it, it just sounded so good to me at the moment. I I just thought it was going to work. Or, or, man, she just, you know, she... She looked so good to me in that moment, man. I, I, I just, I just, I didn't mean for it to happen, but it, it just one thing after another to happen. Or I, I didn't, I just wasn't my plan, but I thought he really felt this way, and I, I, I found myself having in a jam that I, I did not mean to be. And whether it's some major big scandal or whether it's something you're the only one who know anything about it, that's really not the issue here. The issue is, what happens when that day comes? What happens in us when that moment comes when we can clearly say, I've sinned? And that's what David said. The first thing he said was, I've sinned. Today, I want to look at David's response to his sin. Because I think it'll speak to us a lot about what God has called of us or expects of us. When we find ourselves in that situation, let me, if you could turn your Bibles to Psalms 51. Psalms 51 is a response of David to his situation. We read it this morning, but I want to read it. I'm going to read it in totality. Psalms 51. I'm going to read a, a little bit of a path, quite a few passages here, verses here. I'm going to read 1 through 17. Be gracious to me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is an evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin. My mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inmost being. And in the hidden part, you will make me no wisdom. Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me the joy of my salvation, of your salvation, and restore me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth will declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise, I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God 
are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Amen. I want to talk about how David positions himself before God. He starts off in verse one and two. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly. David appealed to God's love and compassion as he petitioned the Lord to give him to give him by grace and cleanse him from his sin, his sins. David recognized he did not deserve forgiveness. God's forgiveness is by his grace and his grace alone. You know, when you find your, and here's the reality. When you find yourself having sinned before God, how you come to him is so critical. David recognized, man, this is all on me. And anything, God, that you bring to me is by grace alone. I can't burn enough stuff. I can't send enough smoke up. I can't do enough to, to get right with you. It's all based on the grace that you have to offer me. You know, people ask me when we start our service, y'all notice when we start service, as people come in, there's music playing and we have a little bit of somber time, kind of meditation time. You know, one of the chief reasons we do that, because how you come before God is critical. And the reality is, every one of us who walks through that door on Sunday morning is coming in with some sin in his life. Is there anyone here who, say, who can say, I did not sin this week? Right. We all dirty. Right. We all dirty. Every week. And I don't care, even if you didn't do anything, you thought something. And the Bible tells us if you thought it, you might as well... You did. So we all come in every week for the sin. And how we come in is critical to position ourselves before God. So if I come in, David is wrecking, his sin is before him. This man is broken. And he recognizes, I cannot get right, Lord, unless you restore me. So I'm broken before you. He doesn't come in like, oh, it's time to go. Hey, what's going on, man? What you doing, man? You all right, bro? Everything good with you? Yeah, I'm here to get right with God, but I'm going to get to him in just a second. How's it, how you feeling? How you all right? No. When you know, man, I need to get right with God, there ought to be something in you that says, hey, man, let me come in and let me petition the Lord this morning. Let me humble myself. I, I enjoy seeing all my people. And I'm not saying it's not wrong to greet one another and talk to one another. But when I come in, the first thing I want to do is, Lord, I need to get with you and, and, and clean my heart this morning. I need to offer up to you something that says, I want to humble myself and recognize I'm coming in dirty this morning. I'm coming in before you and all is not perfect with me. And I need you this morning. I need you this morning. Y'all feel what I'm talking about? And so David starts this thing off with the, I mean, like somebody has sawed him in half. He's like, he's desperate. Look, Lord, I'm in trouble here because I know I've sinned and it's before me. He says in verse three, for I know my transgressions and my sins are before me. And against you and you only have I sinned and done and done what is evil in your sight. So he, he doesn't start out blaming anybody else. 
He said, my sin is before me. So we got to remember, about a year transpired from the time David committed the sin to the time he was, to Nathan busted him in public. And then after he did that, about a week went by before the baby actually died. So when David says, my sin is ever before me, I don't know about you, but in this life, I've done some dirt and I knew I was wrong and it was with me for a minute. You ever know, you ever sin and you know you sin, but you ain't told nobody yet. I know I'm not. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. I know y'all. I know y'all are good. But you ever had, you ever had that thing? And what does that thing feel? It's what? Is it not ever before you? Is it not feel like it's always with you? You know, you go to sleep, you hoping it's a dream. You hope, it, you hope you when you wake up, it ain't going to be there no more. But it's ever before you. It's weighed heavy on you. That's what David is saying. My sin, Lord, is ever before me. And this thing is, is heavy on me. And he says, against you and you only have I sinned. He didn't say, Bathsheba didn't have no business out there, you know. She should have had her curtains up. You know what I'm saying? What she expect me to do? I'm just a man. You know what I'm saying? What that's what we do? That ain't what he you know, he didn't say that. He didn't get on saying, man, you're right. It's your fault, man. You should have had your woman in check. She shouldn't have been doing all of that. She shouldn't have been out there like that. He didn't say that because it didn't have anything to do with him. It was what was going on in whose heart? David. His heart. And sometimes when we come to God about our own sin, you know what we end up doing? Well, God, they doing this to me, and they and He said this, Lord, and, and you know, God, they doing this, and she said that to me. Very rarely do we come and say, God, I have sinned, and I alone. This ain't about nobody else, Lord. This ain't about what they did to me. This ain't about what somebody else said or done. It's about what I did. What I'm talking about is that when we find ourselves having sinned before God, now listen. Which is regularly. We got to get out of this thing like, okay, yeah, I'm going to probably only have to do this like once a month. You know what I'm saying? Or this may not happen. Now. Listen, let's be real, y'all. I'm trying to be real. Now, don't get me wrong. You may, it, there are some, you may not have this kind of situation. These may be far in between. But I'm trying to wake us up a little bit that, man, sin is always it's, 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 it's like dirt on the body. You got to wash daily. That's right. Because whether you went out and did a full workout or not, just walking and living in Houston, Texas, you going to get some stink on you. Yes. <laughs> it's hot. You know what I'm saying? And if you go more than one day, we got a problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what kind of deodorant you use. You know whether what you got. It's going to be a problem. And you can't say, but well, shoot, I just bathed two days ago. <laughs> I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Because it's the environment we live in, the environment we're in is for is always making us perspire. Yes. But let me tell you something. The spiritual environment you live in, sin is always coming at you. That's right. It's always coming at you. Man, you wake up, pray, do your devotion. Soon as you walk out the door, I'm, I can tell you from a man's perspective. You, you, can't, you can't even sit down at your computer. Stuff popping out at you. You get up and walk down the street. Stuff popping out at you. You, get, you have a couple of encounters with somebody. They make you mad. 
You may not cuss them out, but some stuff may have floated through your mind. And so, you, you, you know what I'm saying? I hope you didn't say it. I hope you're growing in that area. You know what I'm saying? But then, but before you know it, you done, you left the house at 8 o'clock. By 1 o'clock, hey man, I'm dirty, man. It's been a messy morning. And then you do that for three, four, five days. And then you come in and you worship and you don't think it could be something on you? You don't think it could be something on you? Yes. But here's the thing. Nobody in here feels weird or guilty about having to take a shower. Do you? No, because we all got to take one. It's part of the deal. So why should I feel awkward or guilty about coming in and confessing my sin? Because it's forever on me. I'm dealing and battling every day. Now don't get me wrong, sure, as we mature in God, we want to become victorious in areas of our lives. And I don't want to be repeating the same sin over and over again. I'm maturing in the faith, yes. But am I ever going to be sin free? Not while I'm walking on this earth. Not while I'm walking on this earth. So we got to get that out of our minds like there's these holy ones and there's these ones that were always dirty. I'm sorry to tell you. I tell you all the time, I never forget when I was new in the Lord by 1920. So excited to be in Jesus. And I never forget, I told my mentor, I said, man, bro, I'd be so glad when I get to the place where I don't have to battle and deal with lust. And these females, man, I'd be so glad when I get to that place. He looked at me, he was like, Dave, I got some sad news for you, brother. You're going to be battling your whole life. This fight going to be with you. And I was like, what? <laughs> no, man, I want to get to the promised land. I don't want to have to be, I don't want to have to do this. You know, but don't get me, again, God builds us, we grow, we mature, we grow stronger. And the fight that I had in 19 is not the fight I have now. But I still got to fight. I still got to fight. You better believe that. And so the point is, we got to get it in our minds that man coming in and asking God to forgive me of my sin has got to be a regular practice in my spiritual life. It's got to be. And if I go days, if I go days without doing it, I got to think about it like going days without taking a bath. I'm going to be real funky. It's just no other way to put it. And let me tell you something. Spiritual funk can be just like physical funk. You can smell when somebody you can smell physical funk, but you can sniff it in the spirit, too. You can tell when folks are struggling because they are they've not repented. They've not as confessed their sins. And so David comes in and he does that. He said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. He said, I've always been a sinner. I've always been. This is who I've been because I'm in the flesh. He says, behold, you desire truth in the innermost being and in the hidden part you make known wisdom. And David then acknowledged that he was morally impotent. He was born a sinner and at that no time in his life was he without sin. In verse 7, he says, purify me with hyssop. I shall be clean, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. 
Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. David, in connection with his confession, has petitioned God first for forgiveness and then in a renewal. So hyssop, if you if you look back in the Bible, hyssop was a little plant. It's a little uh, flower that they used to dip in the blood and they use it in sacrificial ceremonies. So in that time, if you wanted to be cleansed of your sins, you go in the temple, they take the hyssop, you know, flask it onto the offering and that blood symbolized the forgiving of your sins. So David is in a, in a figurative standpoint of saying, purify me with your hyssop that I might be clean. Wash me that I might be whiter than snow. Make me to hear your joy and gladness and blot out my iniquities. Clean, create a clean heart in me, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David wants God with his confession. A lot of times we want to be cleansed. We want to get that thing off of us. But here's what we got to recognize first. Before God can do the work inside of us that needs to be done, we got to confess it to him first. There's a process here. God, I got to confess what you wanted, what's, what's wrong here. And then God can, can do the inner work within us. You ever had a child, a little kid, make have a sippy cup and they drop it and it busts open on the floor? And they say, uh-oh, mommy. Uh-oh, mommy. Well, there's a mess on the floor. They're going to apologize about it first, but they apologize. The lesson doesn't stop with their apology, does it? It doesn't, right? You could say, oh, baby, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's a boo-boo. You had a mistake. Don't worry about it. You don't, moms, you don't just leave it at that, do you? What's the next step? We got to, okay, now we got to go to work and clean up the mess. Because it's not just enough that you know it's a mistake. It's not, it's just enough that you recognize it. You got to invite mommy or daddy, Michael, daddy too. You know what I'm saying? You got to invite mommy or daddy to help clean this thing up. Because, let's be real, if it's a, a one-year-old, two-year-old, when they try to clean it up, it's probably going to be what? Worse. Worse than the original mess. So they say, they say mommy, that, or mommy and daddy recognizes that. They recognize they didn't do it on purpose. They confessed it. So mom and daddy going to help you clean this thing up. Can y'all see what I'm saying here? We confess our sins. And then David says, now God, come and clean this thing up for me inside. Come, in, come inside and renew me from within. And too many times, y'all, we, we confess our sins, but we don't ask God to come in and change this thing. Because yeah. that's where the fight, that's where, that's where the problem really is, God. Because I don't want to have to go through this over and over again. But if you don't do the work on the inside, guess what? I'm going to be spilling this sippy cup a lot. So David confesses his sin, but then he says, God, come in and do a work inside me. Come in and change me from the inside. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. 
Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. David asked him again, God, I want to I don't want to feel separated from you because that's what this whole thing is about. Sin ultimately what separates us from God. We all have to understand that God, the one thing he cannot do is you can't have sin and God in the same spot. He won't. He can't do it. So in order for God to be in the place, sin has to be out of the place. But if you continually if you continually flood your place with your spirit and your world with sin, you you automatically are chasing God out of that space. So we come in and that's why we confess our sin, ask God to forgive us. And then David says in that last part of that, restore me to the joy of your salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit. God, I want to know what it's like to be close to you. I want that. I want that feeling because you come on now. Let's be real. You know, man, when there's sin in your life, you we know what it's like to feel like, man, I know God ain't pleasing me. I know. I mean, just take it from that. You ever been, you know, you've been in trouble with your own parents? Think back when you was a kid. You know, my mom used to have this saying when, when, I, was in, when I was in trouble with her. She would be like, I, you know, I come up to her, hey, mama, how you doing? She'd be like, don't mind me. You know you're on my blacklist, don't you? And when she said that, what that meant was, you are separated from me right now. <laughs> yeah, that's what she was, and that's what she was saying. Now, don't come, don't come shucking and jiving with me. You are separated from me right now until we get this thing right. And so I, that meant I, I knew they like, man, I got to get this thing right. Because I don't want to be out of, I don't want to be out of fellowship with mama. Who want mama mad at? So I had to go back and investigate what I did, figure it out, apologize for it. Hopefully it could be a multitude of things when I was growing up. You know what I'm saying? Don't tell them what it was. But I knew I had to get it right. My point is, man, sometimes when it comes to sin in our relationship with God, we act like God don't have no problem with it. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I, know I got sin, unconfessed sin in my life, but God, what? I'm, I'm, I'm kicking it with you like it's nothing. God's like, no, that's not how this works. And David recognized that. And he said, Lord, I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want that uncomfortable space between us. Because of what's going on in my life. So let me confess this. Let me ask you to change me on the inside. And then now, Lord, would you restore me? Now I want that fellowship back with you. Now here's what I want us to understand. Here's what I'm not saying. If you are a believer and you confess your life to God and you've given to him, given your life to him. I'm not saying every time you see and God says, get away from me. You're no longer, you're no longer saved. It's not what I'm saying. See, my mama told me what she interrupted was. Our fellowship. We still son and daughter. That don't change. She couldn't say I'm not a son. But she could say, but there's some distance between us because of how you acted. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want the fellowship with me, we need to get this right. See, your 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 relationship with God doesn't change. He the sin that I go through, he doesn't say, You're no longer my son, David. You unsaved. I don't fool with you no more. That's not what happened. But what does happen is the relationship is impacted. Yes, yes. Not the, re the, the, the fellowship, I mean, is what's impacted. The relationship stays the same. We son, he's God, I'm his son. But what's impacted is our fellowship. 
And see, what I need in this world is this. I need that fellowship with God. So the relationship is what's going to get me into heaven. That's where I'm going. I gave my life to Christ. I confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe he rose on the third day. And then he's coming back one day. I believe it with all my heart. He says, by that, your faith has made you, your faith made you whole, you saved. I and I'm going to see that one day. But what about all them days in between? You know what I'm saying? I'm 40-something years old. I'm eating my kale and working out. I got a lot of days left. I'm tired. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to drag. I'm trying to put some miles on this engine. So that means it's a lot of days in between that day when I get to the sweet by and by. What about the fellowship that he wants to have with me in all that time? Sin interrupts that. And what David was saying is, I want to confess this sin. I want to get this stuff out the way because, Lord, I want that sweet fellowship that we had in the beginning. And I want that always between us. And that should be all of our goals. And that's why we don't, well, we gotta get we gotta deal with the sin issue in our lives. Because right. it interrupts the fellowship we have with God. And we and that's important to us as believers. Because I need it. I don't know about you, but I need him. Amen. 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 Let me let me get ready to wrap up here. I got two more though. You know, preachers gonna tell you they're gonna wrap up a few times. I've only said that one time, so I got a couple more in me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Verses 13 and 17 say this. Then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God, the sacrifices of God, of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Listen, David says this. God, he tells God, if you forgive me, he would teach sinners God's way. He's saying here, God. Once I go through this, and I want y'all to hear this. He said, once I go through this, Lord, if you forgive me, if you restore me, I'm going to go help other people how to do this, teach this as well. Because I know a whole lot of other people who go through stuff, and they don't know how to do this. God, if you forgive me and show me the path, show me this way, I'm going to go and teach others how to do this. How, so, how true is that for us as well? How many people do you know that have gone through what you've gone through? That have been or they are where you've been. And they need to know God's way back. How God can restore them. But how can you show them if you've never walked that path? See, you can only take people where you've been yourself. David is saying, man, I'm in a bad place, but God, I'm asking you to restore me. And he's saying, if you restore me, God, I'm going to teach others how to do this. I'm going to bring glory to you in this process. So he's turning it back on God here. Second, David says, if God forgave him, he would sing and praise God. If God would deliver it uh, from his blood guiltiness, he could join him in praising God. He said, if you restore me, God, I will praise you. I'll lift my voice up to you. Knowing that I've been forgiven by you. 
And then David promised that if God forgave his sins, he would sacrifice to God. He knew that God did not desire simply an animal sacrifice for him. He needed to find forgiveness before he could sacrifice a peace offering for God. Here's my last point I want to make. When David says, yeah, I could offer a burnt offering to you. I could come in and do what you... Because in that day, if you wanted to forgive your sins, you had to bring in a physical burnt offering. You had to take it to the priest. He had to put it on the offering, burn it up, and that's how you got your forgiveness. But here's what David is saying, and here's what we all need to realize. All those rituals, so we come in, we have our own ritual. We come in, we praise, we, we sing, we, we hear the word, we give an offering. He said, all that's good. But what's most important to God was that last phrase, a broken spirit and a contrite heart. David said, God, I can do, I'd give you that if that's what you wanted right now, if that's what would do the bill. I'd, I'd gladly make the sacrifice. I'd gladly do the offering. But David knew in that moment, like, I can feel you calling for something greater than that. You want me broken. You want me sacrificial. And I'm telling you, if that is not the thing that I think trips up believers today more than anything, it's great you want the usher board. It's great you don't miss church on Sundays. It's great you do your devotion. It's great that you are in Bible study. It's great that you have the prayer walk. All of these things are wonderful. And they all have their place. But if you want to give God what he wants most, give him a broken you and a contrite spirit. A contrite heart. A heart that says, God, I'm yours. God, do with me as you will. God, I'm not perfect. I have sin in my life. Forgive me. Don't give up on me. Continue to work in me. Mold me and shape me. I know I'm a mess, God. But God, stick with me. If you stick with me, I'll stick with you. I'll keep walking with you. I'll keep doing what you ask me to do. I'll keep living for you. I'll raise my children for you. I'll tell my family about you. I'll do what you ask of me, God. But Lord, just stay with me. A broken and contrite heart recognizes, Lord, when I'm wrong, I'll confess my wrong. I won't walk in pride and arrogance. I won't think I'm better than others. And when my brother comes to me and, and, has, and needs to talk to me or challenge me, I can receive it. When my sister comes to me or when somebody comes, my wife comes to me and she has to check, I can receive it. And when I can't receive it, I confess. But God, if we don't see here nothing, nothing else out of this, I want you to hear that last passage. Verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. The saying I learned early on in my walk with the Lord was, it's better to fall on the rock and be broken than have the rock fall on you and break you. And that's so contrary to our natural way of being. See, because that's what we do. Believe it or not, when you when you hunger down, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride this thing out. I'm going to pull my bootstraps up. I'm a, all you're doing is hardening up when it comes to your spiritual walk. When God is trying to recognize you and, and to see some things in you and say, hey, I need to touch this in your life. I, I, I need to work this out. And you, no, can't nobody say nothing to me about that. 
you got you got a little pride here. You got a little you got a little arrogance. You got some stubbornness in here. You got some residue of the wounds that happened in your life, and it's building a callus around it. And I need to get in there and touch that and break that thing down a little bit. And I'm sending people your way. I'm doing it even through people. But the more got people God send our way, the harder we bracing up. No, you ain't going to tell me that. How you going to tell me about my life and look at your life? How you going to do that? And the more God tries that, we, we harden that thing up. Till eventually, bam, the rock falls on us and we're broken in public. When God says, look, if you just fall on me, broken, I'm going to rebuild you every time. Just come to me. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes, man, I get in my space, put my song on, and before I know it, man, I'm a mess in tears. I'm thinking about the flaws in my life, the little areas in my life. Lord, how am I going to do this? Lord, how is this going to work? Lord, how am I going to work this area of my life? And I've learned to just be broken before him. Now, listen, I don't want none of y'all to see that. Because it's ugly. But you know, there comes times when, but the truth is, some of y'all have seen it. Some of y'all have seen it. And we, I'm telling you, I've learned, live your life broken before him. I don't care what that looks like. But don't you let this stuff build up in you. Your sin build up in your life. Your, your, your ways of being build up in your life. To you become so hard that the rock has to fall on you and break you. For you to, for God to get your attention anyway. Because it's no fun. David went through all of this. So what's our point in this? David went through all of this. And still, he's regarded. As a man after God's own heart. Not because he lived a sin free life. And if you go on to read David's. If you go on to read about the rest of his life. He paid a heavy price. For the sin he committed. His family was in disarray. And if you read. The, he told him what you did in private. I'm going to do it in public. With your own sons. David wanted to build a temple. There was a lot of things that there were a lot of things that David could not do, and there's a high price David paid for the sin in his life. But still, David is regarded after a man, a man after God's own heart. Why? Because it's a lot like life and a lot like sports. It's not the mistakes that define you. It's what you do after that. It's what you do when you get back up. David committed a great sin. But he also committed a great confession. He also went on and continued to do what God had called him to do. You may find yourself at the end of a great sin one day. You may find yourself there now. You may look back in your history and say, there was a great sin in my life and I never confessed it. I still haven't confessed it. I want you to know this. There is nothing, nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. And there is nothing 
that can separate God's plan for your life if you will confess. If you will say, Lord, I come to you broken and humble with a contrite heart. Now use me. Restore me. Mold me and shape me. God says that I can use every day of the week and twice on Sundays. I can work with that. I don't care what your situation is. David was a, a full-blown mess. But God said, but that heart, give me that. I can deal with that. Because see, like a coach will tell you, if a kid will listen to me when I give him instruction, I can coach him. I don't care how bad he is. But I can have the greatest athlete in the world, but he can't listen to nothing I say, what can I do with him? Give me the kid whose heart I can shape him more. God looks at us and says the same thing. What is your heart before me? He didn't ask, what's your condition before me? What is your heart before me? If your heart is right, I can deal with your condition. I can fix your condition. But it's the heart that we got to have right. So I encourage you, bring to him the sacrifice he most wants. A broken spirit and a contrite heart. And God says, I can do in you what I, what I set out to do. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you today, Lord. And Father, I pray for every heart that is in this place, including my own, Lord. Lord, would you help us to recognize our great need for you and to understand that, Lord, no matter what we do, sin is always around us and it is always creeping at us. And then, Father, we need to continually come in and wash ourselves with you. Confess what we know. And even confess that we don't know. But, Lord, that our desire is to always have the fellowship with you. That it never be interrupted by the sin in our lives. And we don't do that by willingly and blindfully ignoring the sin. We do it by recognizing the sin and confessing the sin. So that we may walk right with you and right before you. Father, I pray for every heart here that they would know they are secure in their salvation with you, but it's the fellowship that the enemy seeks to interrupt. And Lord, would you help us to recognize that and to walk free of that as David did by confessing our sins to you, one to another, and then submitting a heart that you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand clap if you will.